this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. Tonight, in night two of the Democratic debate in Detroit, Joe Biden solidified his position as frontrunner in the 3030 presidential race. Bill de Blasio reminded us he won't be president, but you're kind of starting to get the impression he won't be mayor of New York for much longer. Cory Booker took advantage of being on stage in Detroit a city that makes Newark look like Mayberry. Tulsi Gabbard reminded us that we don't know how to pronounce Hawaii. And Kamala Harris really leaned into Joe Biden's track record, but yet was shocked that anybody remembered anything she did over the last 20 years. Go easy on me, kid. The Trump Report Night 2 debate special starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz... Oh, yes, that's right. Let's hear it for the boys. Let's give the boys a hand. <laughs> Welcome to a very special Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt, joined by our friend Drexel Hurd. Oh, my goodness. Hello. <laughs> I must, am here. It must be here. a big night if Drexel Hurd is here. <laughs> and look, we're all out past our bedtime. It is 10.30 Pacific time. <laughs> but we're, we're here to uh, bring you our thoughts on Night 2 of the Bane. Of course, in the end, Scott Moore. Yes. Good to be here. Thank even you. It's late. It's great to be here. Yes, uh, even though even though it is late, uh, there's a, there's a lot to really dive into and some minutia we can get into. But big picture, overall thoughts, uh, Drexel, you first. On, on which just the, the, yeah, debates in general. Just we're going to just talk about tonight. I think we'll uh, we'll see if we have time to touch on you know conversationally. If last night comes up, that's sure. fine. But we won't uh, try to deal with the specifics of last night unless there's time at the end. Yeah, you know, I just posted on Facebook. I said, if you asked me today who I would vote for, uh, you know, I would vote for Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris. Um, I, I think that there are some very uh, – there are some, some things that Kamala Harris needs to certainly answer for. But – I think she has done a really good job of setting herself apart uh, from somebody like Joe Biden, and that's what you kind of saw tonight and in the last debate, in, in the last in the first debate actually. Um, but I also think that some other folks had some uh, had a really good night. Uh, Joe Biden had a, an excellent night tonight. I think for all the attacks uh, that came at him, he was able to not only deflect them, he was also able to answer for a lot of things, um, and it, it did not help that CNN positioned the questions like they did last night uh, to go after Joe Biden like they did Senator Sanders. Uh, and that was unfortunate. Yeah, I would say that uh, Biden, a lot of his performance was strong, but he had those moments where look, because of his age, you start to notice a little bit more when he stumbles over things, when he loses his place. But more importantly, when he is so quick to yield his time, when no one wants mm-hmm. to yield their time, he's like, eh, it's, and one time it was like he wasn't even, he hadn't even been interrupted yet. You know, it's as soon as somebody speaks up, he's like, 
I'm done. Don't ask yeah. me. Stop. Sh- sure, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that <laughs> Biden mm, out. That Sorry. that I'm sure he has he has debate prepped in yeah. enough to where he's like, I don't need to say a lot of stuff right now. That's true. Um, because this debate means very little. And a lot of the people who kept going past the, you know, the. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, it's like right. I'm, I would get even if they were making an important point. It would get annoying when they get, when they got to the third one. Right. Uh, Scott, overall thoughts on on tonight? Uh, but yeah, you can talk about last night if you want. But uh, in general, overall thoughts as we sit here right now. Um, I I would say again that there were some people that had some good moments. I think tonight um, that I was not expecting. Um, I thought Andrew Yang had a couple good good things that that he brought up. I, I think. I think Kamala Harris had some issues tonight. Um, I was surprised that she wasn't as prepared, but then the more I thought about it, I thought she really hasn't had a lot of real debate experience uh, being a candidate because, of course, when she ran for attorney general was close in, in 2010 here in California. It was the closest with uh, with Republicans and Democrats at that point. But she cruised to re-election in 2014, and then when she ran for the Senate, I mean, there was really no real competition for her. So I, I I do believe that she's got to strengthen her her debate prep a little bit. Um, I, I was very surprised by, you know, I think Tulsi Gabbard even had a couple good moments there, and she yeah. really brought Harris. You know, she brought her basically in there with some of her comments on on her record, uh, Harris's record as an, an attorney general. Um, I I think Biden had a better night tonight than the first night. I I do think a lot of people piled up on him. With the way the structure was, but of course he is the front runner, and in a way um, he was going to be a target. Even though I think CNN did a, a poor job on, on how they were setting up both nights, but I, I felt he was going to be a target anyways after the the, the first um, first debates. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it'd be very interesting. Hopefully there'll be a mix in September, which we can go into later on um, maybe some of the people not being on the same nights. It would be interesting to see Warren uh, with with Biden. It would be interesting to see some other people. Um, have a chance to debate with each other. Um, I do agree with you, though. There were some moments where I saw some of Biden's age uh, come up here and there. Um, yeah, if he's in his 50s and he makes those mistakes, it's not really an issue, but it's kind of the... You can yeah. have a lot of issues about him, but that's that's really the one thing going into and, and, it. And, and, and he didn't... See, you know, I think Bernie's the same age, or at least... No, Bernie's it, a little bit older. Right, And but as my point is, with Bernie, you didn't really see that. No. In fact, you were like, did he have like five cups of coffee before <laughs> he started? Because he was he was more Bernie than ever. Well, and I hate to make an appearance thing, because that really wouldn't shouldn't be about, but again, it's almost like you feel like you see it more with Biden with his age, because whatever they're doing with his makeup on there, yeah. it, it just makes him look really old and like he has a lot of makeup on. And and then you see him do a couple stumbles here and there, which, of course, is kind of the Bidenism anyways. That's part of his Uncle Joe charm to some degree. But you start to see a little bit more and it really makes him seem so much older. And, you know, it, it, it bothered me a little bit here and there personally as, as a voter. But um, but overall, I think he had a better night right. than he did the first, first and, time And around. with Biden, obviously, the most important thing is that he was in way too much of a rush to get hair plugs. If he'd waited like 10 years, they would have been so much better. But, you know, that's just the way he is. Uh, Drexel, I saw you had something on uh, – you posted something. I believe it was on Facebook, but possibly Twitter, about how for Kamala Harris, there was kind of like one thing that she needed to be prepared for. And she didn't give a terrible answer, but she didn't give a great answer. And I think that that was Gillibrand who went after her on that, wasn't it? It, it was Tulsi Gabbard okay. that mm-hmm. went after her. Right. So that, so that was a great moment yeah. for Tulsi Gabbard. It, it was the only moment that Tulsi Gabbard's right, ever right. had. Well, and it, probably just her to interrupt, career. even though even though I asked the question, <laughs> I think that that there's a lot of people on the stage both nights where they're like, okay, this is pretty close to the end for me. I have to make a name by taking on. Either Joe Biden or you know mm-hmm. Kamal Harris is right. seen obviously not the front runner but one of the the upper tier and I think that that's exactly what that was by sure Tulsi Gabbard. but I mm-hmm. think with Tulsi Gabbard I think that there's a there is a line of attack like Kamal Harris did on Joe Biden in the sure. first debate uh, and there is a that that was effective to put, to catapult somebody to a, uh, a a certain level and then there is a line of attack that is forgettable but it still hurts. A, a certain candidate, and that's what Tulsi Gabbard did. Mm-hmm. Tulsi Gabbard's attack on Kamala Harris is certainly not going to increase 
Tulsi Gabbard's mm-hmm. standing in the polls. Um, you know, because if, if I was Kamala Harris, certainly I would have shot back. You know, I don't need criminal justice reform uh, ideas from somebody who's an Assad apologist. I would have said that from the stage, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 that would have shut that down. I think Kamala Harris, um, you know, as Attorney General, certainly should have said at least my recommendation, and whether or not people agree with it, um, with the strategy, probably would have been something like, "Look, I was Attorney General." I am the uh, state's uh, top prosecutor. I have one job to do. I not only have to uphold the laws of the state of California, but the nation's laws. Uh, and I did that job effectively. If you don't like it, I stand by my record, and that's it. If she would have been unapologetic about her record as attorney general, I think people would, have, would understand that. They might disagree with it. Maybe they might not like it. But at least she stood by her record as attorney general. Because if you're going to tout your record as attorney general, then at least and make that a part of your uh, 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 campaign, then the least you can do is say, look, this is what I did. I understand the flaws in that. I understand how people could be upset by that. But here's uh, reasons why I did that, because I have a job as a prosecutor. It's like some folks have a problem with police or some people have a problem with prosecutors in general. You either want you either want to you either want the law to be uh, on your side when you're a plaintiff or you don't. You either want to follow the law or you don't. Um, I think that there are certain things in, in Kamala Harris's record when it comes to, um, you know, I know the criticism and, and certainly the feedback is, uh, you know, hiding certain prosecutorial things as, a, as as attorney general, or at least from her office, not necessarily from her, but she was the head of the office at the time um, and being able to answer for that. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think that she would have probably fared better had she had a better answer on an issue that she knew out the gate was going to be mm-hmm. her major issue. It's literally the only – if you ask anybody about Kamala Harris as a criticism, that is the one right. thing that everybody brings up. It's like Andrew Yang in the first debate not being able to un- explain a universal basic income as his signature proposal. If you cannot explain your signature proposal, then you probably shouldn't be on the stage. In this case, Kamala Harris could not and was unprepared to explain her criminal justice record as attorney general, and that was – uh, pretty much a failure. Yeah, and, and that's sort of what I was what I was saying in, in general terms on the overview was that I was surprised that she, even though she doesn't have debate experience, I was surprised that she wasn't more tight up tightened up on the, that answer on why you know she did what she did as a prosecutor because that is her biggest stumbling block, and I was was very surprised by that. Um, I think she does need to tighten it up. I think she needs to practice her debating skills a little bit more. But you know, she did go on and say every single time how proud she was of of, of her record and what she did, and um, which I thought was fine as, as sort of a counter. But it didn't quite explain well enough to me as a voter um, some of the criticisms. And she's going to have those for the rest of her run, you know, for the presidency. And she's, she's got to get better at that answer, and it's got to be more solid so that she doesn't get thrown off. Uh, from Tulsa Gabbard, you know, asking right. a question like that. So I was, I was surprised. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you are going to tout that record mm-hmm. as attorney general and say, I'm very proud of my record as attorney general, then the least you could do is say, look, yeah, listen, there were certain decisions that were made that uh, I'm not necessarily proud of, but they happen. They happen on my watch and I learned from them. And here's, here's what I'm doing next on criminal justice reform. I think the problem is some of these candidates is that they've never been able to return it back to the issue. They've been trying to defend themselves so much and be instead of saying, here is the pol here's here's here is what I've learned from that and here is my policy going forward. And somebody like Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or or any of these major candidates has never been able to take it back to their policy. Elizabeth Warren's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some of these major candidates have a little bit of problem doing that. Yeah, and I think also this I guess, for lack of a better way to characterize them, the second-tier candidates, they don't expect to speak so much. And I think when they have one good line, they're, like, really quick to go back to it. I mean, with Yang reusing a line that was in the intro before they were actually that was introduced. In his, in his, it's like in his, in his video is what yeah. I mean. <laughs> so he, go, he goes right into what I, I, I'm an Asian who loves math, the opposite mm-hmm. of, of Donald right. Trump. And by the way, Big reaction from the crowd, so clearly they weren't watching. That was the he, that was, I'm sure, the Yang Gang, uh, yeah, you know, out there. But yeah, yeah, and you definitely see some uh, representation for you know you can hear some more vocal stuff. Uh, 
our our friend uh, Chelsea did not appreciate my characterization last night, but uh, I felt like last night's debate, uh, Bernie had the the best uh, paid audience members because uh, he had the best reactions, and it couldn't possibly have been because they believed in what he was saying. Uh, but yeah, that was last night. But you heard a little of, tonight. It was a little bit mixed, though. You know what I mean? I think you heard, you could tell, like, oh my god, that's our guy. You know, it's like when you know if you're at like a, a high school graduation, you know, there's always like the one family that's like super excited yeah. that, uh, and you hear them over anyone else. Uh, a couple comments in the chat from our Scott Brown. Uh, all. Of these are from our Scott Brown that I want to make sure we get to. One, it was a Biden pinata. Let, uh, let's mm-hmm. not overlook cognitive decline. It happens without regard to disease. And finally, Gabbard will get a highlight that isn't in her hair. And it was, it was, her hair looks amazing, by the way. Uh, no, I thought By the way, Lady Goth <laughs> wants to point out: heads up to anyone new. Drexel really, really dislikes Gabbard, so uh, she wanted to <laughs> put that on the record. No, no. I <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I've never really talked about Tilsi Gabbard because I try not to talk about people I don't like very much. Um, but uh, but but listen, I I I, I think. If if and I said this to somebody earlier today because I was at a debate watch party about Tulsi Gabbard, if Tulsi Gabbard was not, um, if if this is a couple years ago, and Tulsi Gabbard, if, if the Assad thing and her record on 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 um, on LGBT rights mm-hmm. and her record yeah. on uh, um, on foreign policy mm-hmm. was a, was slightly different. Um, she would have been. She would have be. She would be the the Pete Buttigieg of this race right now. I, I think she's super polished. Mm-hmm. I think she is. She could eventually have been president of the United States, but I don't know that um, a large swath of the American people would vote for somebody. Um, certainly, who has the record that Tulsi Gabbard? Yeah, is, I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Is she a you know obviously getting uh, far down the road? Is she a disadvantage in the VP slot? Would could you do much better than her? You know what does she bring to the table? Is is is, some, is she someone to seriously consider for that? I don't know that. Again, I think with what I said before, I don't. I think she would be a liability in yeah. certain aspects. Mm-hmm. I think that That's a, what I, I think that a majority of the Democratic Party um, certainly. Uh, takes LGBT issues as a huge part of any candidates, um, any vote, any voter, uh, in, in the way that they vote. And I don't know that Tulsi has the uh, background that would make people feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, again, you know, she can say it's it's like Marion Williamson and 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 being an and not being anti-vax, right? It's like she can say it all day, mm-hmm. but we've seen it before. Um, and I'm certainly somebody who is willing to um, acknowledge somebody's involvement on certain things. Sure. We saw it with Barack Obama. We saw it with Hillary Clinton. We saw it with a lot of our favorite uh, Democrats. Uh, but I don't know that uh, somebody like Tulsi Gabbard has adequately um, been able to persuade people that her views have changed so much. And I think foreign policy, again, um, if she's going to tout her credentials as a military um, as, as somebody who is ready to be commander in chief because of her military background, um, uh, um, having a policy, having a mindset that is apologetic, kind of like Rand Paul, um, is not going to be in her favor as as somebody who should be commander in chief. Yeah, and I think the difference too with her, and I, again, I don't want to say because of you know Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton haven't been been around for a long time, and and being able to kind of evolve on that but but she hasn't had the opportunity to even evolve because she's even younger than people she has. so i mean she's right. very young um she she doesn't have the, the the deep enough record that i could say with confidence and comfort too that that she's evolved into something where i'm like yeah she could and, and i think it will happen for her but there's too many liabilities that, that i think most voters would have against uh her being a mainstream candidate uh in, even in the vp slot too so i don't i don't i don't see that happening uh, speaking of uh Buttigieg, that uh is one of those things that takes me back to uh last night and that's sort of the reminder that what i guess he would be 37 when he was sworn in and 
Uh, I think I finally found the thing that I like the least about him, and that's that he's only 37. I, I don't <laughs> think I'm old enough for there to be a president younger than me. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> that's I, how I, I feel. Think, <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm not ready for that just yet. Uh, so he's gonna he's gonna have to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> but uh, there. Th- there's there was a lot uh, that you know there were a lot of I think that they did a good job presenting the issues but I, let's briefly Drexel you had your thoughts on the way that CNN uh, sort of ran the debates over both nights they did focus too much on the for lack of a better term the the all star candidates uh, did you feel like the the questions they chose I thought that there were a couple of times. And it was more last night. I think specifically Bernie chastised Jake Tapper for using the Republican talking points. But I think that's the way to ask questions. You know, I thought that some of the questions were very pointed from the moderators. I think all of them did a decent job. Uh, I I personally have an affinity for Jake, but I think he did actually do a really good job. I thought everybody asked tough questions and they did ask tough questions of each other but uh is it, do you feel that uh, they did a decent job in that point and they just didn't spread the wealth among the candidates or uh was there were there things that you felt like they should have spent more time on yeah listen i think that they hit a, a lot of the major points that democrats are uh, very interested in healthcare immigration sure. climate change foreign policy. I mean, those are the things we knew they were going to kind of ask about criminal justice reform. I think the problem became when CNN and the moderators would talk about somebody's somebody's specific policy. In this case, in the first debate, it was Bernie Bernie Sanders' Medicare for all policy and how it differed from everybody else's. Instead of letting every candidate say, (laughs) this is my policy on on how I feel about health care, not in contrast to Bernie Sanders' proposal, but in in, in an overall like, hey, listen, what is your proposal on health care? How do you feel about Medicare for all? Not Bernie Sanders says this about Medicare mm-hmm. for all. How do you feel about it? Or Joe Biden says this about criminal justice reform. How do you feel about it? Because the fact that there was a busing conversation, there was a busing mm-hmm. question tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a night that nobody is like, it's like, you know, it's like that meme that's like nobody. And then like <laughs> yeah. CNN, you know, busing <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Like that's how it was. tonight. Yeah. It just came out of nowhere yeah. as if it was, dis- again, not even as if it was. It was designed to bait a conflict between Senator Harris and Joe Biden again. Instead of saying, "Hey, look, we know that there are criminal justice ref- there are criminal justice problems uh, with this," I'm glad they brought up the Eric Garner conversation because mm-hmm. they put Mayor De Blasio on blast again. Yeah, which yeah. I want to um, talk about that. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be able to give everybody a chance to answer about their policy, not their policy compared to somebody else. Right, and sometimes it seemed like the only way to bring in one of the lower polling candidates was like, well, what do you think about this big-name person's right. you know, policy? Uh, Scott, sort of a similar question on that, the the debate, uh, not the, you know, the actual, the moderators, but also the interesting thing you and I were talking about beforehand is very flexible running time because last yeah. night was two and a half. No, last night was 2.40, tonight was two and a half, I think. No, right? it was the opposite. Was the other, yeah. Tonight was longer and... Yeah. So not only yeah. are there, do, do 20 people make the debates, but they're going to give us five hours of debate coverage. So, you know, I mean... It's, not to it, mention the pre-coverage. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I, I think as someone who's even, you know, very avid political observer and enjoys that kind of stuff, I even felt that it could have been tightened up a bit. I think the, the structure was off again, like, like Drexel says, I didn't like the way they were... And I know they were doing it because that's what we are now. That's why we have a reality TV star... As president, it's because they want the conflict. They want to manufacture drama. But I think by doing that and then by keeping it so long that it actually kind of backfired on them because it became so obvious that they're trying to set up this drama against the front runners, and, and it took away from everyone having a chance to really talk about their policies in a way. And then also keeping a little bit more succinct and tighter. Like MSNBC, I thought, even though they had some issues too, at least kept it a little bit tighter. Well, wow, those were mostly microphone issues. Yeah. But. but I mean, in that, but, but they, you know, they kept it tighter. They had yeah. a couple more breaks in there that kind of broke it up a little bit because there were, there was a time uh, like tonight that it went 
over an hour without a break, basically, and it yeah. just felt a little bit monotonous, and it would have been nice to have a little more breaks, a little more tighter, a little more of an opportunity oh. to have everyone speak about their own And also the candidates not... didn't, both nights, the candidates didn't come out on stage for the first 20 minutes, and I was just like, why don't you start that at, well, what is it, 7.40 Eastern yeah. time? Well, and then, and then, then so they the stage, they just Well, they yeah, just but they did. didn't get introduced. Yeah, so yeah, right. they did the they national did anthem and then all the other stuff, yeah. and then, you know, you, so it would have been nice to have it just a little bit tighter, um, and just a better format and setup. So I'll be curious to see how Univision does it in September. And, and obviously, uh, I think a couple more people will probably drop out between now and then, or as the threshold gets higher and higher for for being able to get in the debate. So it will be interesting. But yeah, I, I just tonight just it felt like it kept going and going and going well, and going. Forty minutes of of the conversation is centered around one issue. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, forty minutes of it was all, was 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 all on healthcare. And I mm-hmm. get it. It's a it's huge, very it's important, a yes. very important issue. The problem again is when it's forty minutes about one person. Mm-hmm. Because it was it, it was basically it wasn't the very beginning, but it was pretty early on that they spent all this time. It was on Kamal Harris's uh, healthcare plan. And the point that I guess Joe Biden was the one to point out that $30 trillion is yeah. what it would cost in 10 years. I, I, my notes say $3 trillion. I think like, he no, said $3 trillion. Right. He, okay, I thought so he said $30 also. Yeah, I, I, don't see know. That, I thought so, it was $30. It was some crazy absurd number. $3 trillion. Crazy. Yeah. But it was something crazy like that. It was some right, high and, number. And I was like, what? She sort of discounted a lot of what he said, but then that number came up again, and I'm like, Wait, that's my takeaway, though. Is like, is it really mm-hmm. going to cost that much? And look, I, I think that a lot of people agree that uh, healthcare is important, but it was a it was a point that came up a lot last night. Is this idea? And it's I thought it was really well framed last night because obviously they're in Detroit, and it's like, well, you know, all of our all of our union workers who fought hard for their benefits now they're going to have basically Medicare. And figuring out, I guess, a way to make people comfortable with the idea of like if you, you – I I did make a joke about this last night because it is the the, sort of the go-to for Republicans about Obamacare was there was this promise that if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor, except actually it turned out you couldn't really keep your doctor if you wanted to. So – the idea that if you like your health care, you can keep your health care, I think people are starting to think, like, wait a minute, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what they mean. Right. And I think it's important to make that distinction, but you're absolutely right. 40 minutes of it, right. it, was, it was very easy to sort of – and I wasn't even watching it. I was just listening to it on, on Sirius. And so my eyes glazed over. And I, 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 but what do you think, Scott, was the – what were the key points that they could have made and then moved on from that issue? You know, just what of what was said in the 40 minutes, what do you think of the cliff notes they could have given us and then moved on to something different? Well, I mean, I think part of the issue, too, and and I know it's part of the debate was was again, it was like this infighting between uh, between basically the two front runners there in this in this case, you know, with with Kamala and 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 Joe Biden. But it just kept going on and on about the same things. Like you said, it was like they could have tightened it up a little bit and, and they didn't do as good of a job wrapping people up that they could have and they let other people keep talking and talking. Um, like you were saying, with that whole back and forth with um, with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden about their plans and then she kept bringing up Kathleen Spelius and... You know. And it was yeah, because then it turned into like, well, Kathleen Sebelius yeah. just liked it. She didn't write it. And, <laughs> and that's like, what I'm saying. Like, that kind of stuff you could really – the yeah. moderators could have come in and said, okay, let's 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 stick to the and, topic here and, 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 and not getting on to these whole side conversations that just didn't – And really it, it, all, it also seemed like runner. it's like comment – Okay, rebuttal. Okay, now you get a rebuttal to the yeah, rebuttal. To the front, yeah. But then it's like, but now there's the rebuttal to the rebuttal to the rebuttal, and I was like, can we can we just stop? Like, let right. them let them talk about. I mean, let at, them go, at, let at them talk about it. Kirsten Gillibrand was like, oh, I didn't even. I, I, she was actually oh, yeah, she surprised, was surprised exactly. that she was going to be able to answer a question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was funny. I mean, that was very funny. <laughs> that was. Uh, you know, to, to, but to answer your question, um, just about what the what people could have taken away from that, or, or at least could have said. And you know, I, I was I did a little the quick thing on NPR this morning or yesterday where I was saying that at the at a certain point we have to talk about healthcare as a moral issue. 
The problem that Democrats have is that they we have allowed Republicans to uh, capitalize on what they be- perceive and believe to be morally correct. Um, if we said to somebody and, and, and or for anybody who's very interested in or who believes in Medicare for all, right? I have to be able to say to that person, uh, or they, they would say, okay, I believe in Medicare for all. And I would say, are you willing to raise your own taxes, which I'm pretty sure people get asked, are you willing mm-hmm. to raise your own taxes and go out of your way to pay for somebody else's X, Y, and Z, uh, uh, to pay for somebody else's health care? If the answer is no, mm-hmm. in your yeah. own personal life, right. mm-hmm. then you are not for Medicare for all. Th- th- I mean, and, and that is a that is a question that if you cannot answer that truthfully, then you then you're lying to yourself and you're lying to the other people around you. Because if but if you truly believe that you are comfortable saying to yourself, "Listen, I don't mind paying for Scott. Listen, I, if I got it, then you got it." Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to raise your taxes, if you don't want your money to go somewhere else for somebody else's health care, then you do not believe in Medicare for all. You do not believe in the things that you are saying because you have no interest in your neighbor uh, uh, um, uh, benefiting from the things that you uh, would also be helping to pay for. But that's and, uh, but I think that is part of the issue in the fact that Republicans have that that kind of winning strategy because they bluntly say and basically a lot of people – do tell me when I bring it up too that they don't want to pay for other people and they don't want to pay for illegal immigrants, you know, for their health care. And they bluntly say that. And and that's part of the, the bigger issue. And I don't know how it's framed in a better way. I know that I thought there were a couple good answers tonight about bring up, which I've always said too, that it is a, a human right, not a privilege. Um, I think that's a good first step, but I, I agree with you. But I think a lot of that's part of the problem that a lot of people will bluntly say, "No, I do not want to pay for another person's yeah. health care," and they're but, on their own, but, and it's their and, problem. And, and, but and to Scott's point, like if I say, if you say to somebody, "I'm going to raise the, the government should pay for this," how mm-hmm. do you think the government can pay for it? You got to well, yeah, raise taxes on people. Yeah. So, are, but but the taxes got to come from you. Are you going to be able? Are you willing to uh, not only pay for uh, health care in your taxes? And I know Bernie talks about Medicare for all. He's saying, "Okay, where are you going to raise?" And Elizabeth Warren didn't have a really good answer on whether or not yeah, she's going to raise taxes. Yeah, I was very yeah. surprised that yeah. she just didn't come out and say, "Yeah, your middle class taxes are going to be raised." Like, sure. Well, I think yeah. everybody just tries to They're figure to out skirt the way. Like, the Bernie's way the only not, person. Listen, yeah, I, I, I try not to give that, Bernie yeah. too many compliments. However, I, I thought he had a really great debate performance last night. But what I'm saying is, is that if somebody say, "Yes, you're going to going to raise you're going to raise middle class uh, class taxes, but you're going to pay less in health care." I understand that piece of it, and I think most people do, but nobody ever wants to because because everything else gets raised across the board. Mm-hmm. The other moral problem is is on doctors and hospitals. Mm-hmm. If you become a doctor and you're only in it for the money, then that is a moral issue. If you if you are a doctor and you're not saying I my number one priority is to help people and not to make money, right? Then that becomes a moral issue. Then you can't say to me, I want to be in it to do just do the job. Because what happens is you gotta pay for it. People are like, Well, doctors somebody said, Well, well, doctors won't want to go to medical yeah, school I've heard to that do too. that. Exactly. And I'm like, Well, that doesn't make any sense because doctors should not right. go to medical school to make money. They should go to medical school to help people the, and then they would say, Well, they gotta pay for height, they gotta yeah. pay for education. Okay, well then we should make education free for those who are public servants, <laughs> those who are doing that. And the only way to do that is again to pay at higher taxes and making sure that all those things happen. No, and if you are unwilling to do any of that, then don't come to me and tell me <laughs> that you want Medicare for all, free college tuition, free anything, free this well, and the third, if you're not willing yeah, to pay and that for was, it. Yeah, that was the point I wanted to transition to, is like, tell us how you're going to pay for all of these things, and it, it would be a little novel for uh, politicians uh, with, with any letter in parentheses next to their name to just be honest and tell us. But... It's great that you want there to be Medicare for all and that you think that everyone who, you know, can go to college for free. And if you've already gone to college, you know, Bernie's going to just you know, open the checkbook and, and, you know, erase your college debt, you know, right. 10 years too late for me. But for everybody else, that'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And but it, just explain how you're going to pay for it, right. because I think that. 
a lot of people hear these things, you know, and and we talked a lot about this last night with uh, Chelsea and Tamara. That look, you have your diehard hardcore Trump base that they're not for any of this, but you definitely have people that are independents, moderates, somewhere in the middle, who are kind of looking for a reason maybe to not vote for Donald Trump again. They voted for him for whatever reason last time. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, these things are okay, but I really don't like this stuff about him. So how do you win them over if you just say like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Kamala Kamala Harris has uh, $3 trillion, but, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. That's not till till two years after she's done being president, so she doesn't have to worry about it. Right, and and I and, and you know, so I don't want anybody to take away from what I said is like me not supporting you know free college. like no no it's just just tell us how you're going to play I'm for saying, it. Look, if you are unwilling to do, it's like going to church and 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 acting like a good Christian, yeah, and then not being a really great Christian. Well, <laughs> do you know what you, I mean? It's like you go to church, so you think you have a past now right. because you, right. you went and did it, and now you're like, okay, you know. I don't. So want, I went to church, yeah. so I'm going to go to the brothel right. in the afternoon. Right, right, right. They or, definitely counteract each other. And and then you see that in a lot of Republican uh, uh, politicians mm-hmm. and, going to brothels. Yes, yeah. you do well, see and, that. Listen, and, and and using the tap function on Grinder and a lot of things. So like, I, I think that those those are the people uh, who 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 talk a really great game. But it's you know, and I, I say this, you know, I I just got elected as as vice president of uh, Stonewall uh, Democratic Club here in L.A. And I said, look, and I t- and I told. You know the membership. I said, look, if you are going to come to me and you're going to say we need to be involved in X, Y, and Z, and you are unwilling to step up and volunteer for those things, then you can't come to me and expect me to want to extend the resources to do that. Um, and that, the same thing goes for ta- for for any of these big proposals. If you are unwilling yourself to do something for somebody else, or it's like voting. If you don't vote, then you have no reason to criticize mm-hmm. what's going on. And so. <clears throat> I extend. I say that same thing across the board to any other policy. If you are unwilling to help the next person, the person next to you, then please don't come to me and tell me that I should be supporting something uh, because you're unwilling to do it on the other side. I, I, and I, I get where you're coming from, but if you're trying to expand the, the base to get some of those people that might be, like Christian was saying, the you know independents or moderate Republicans, and they hear that. And they hear about raising taxes to the middle class, or they hear about you know, oh, I, I you know, my money's now going to go pay for an illegal immigrant's hospitalization, or you know, I my sending my kid to college and you know paying a ton of money for it, and I want them to be a doctor to make tons of money, and that's basically what they want them to do. It's like, well, how do you convince those people that might be on the line that are fed up with Donald Trump to now come over and vote? For those people that are, I don't want to say they're innately greedy, but they're part of the like, oh, I want to, I, I do want to be a doctor to make money, or I don't want to be paying for other people, but I might be interested in Medicare for all, or at least the public option. If you know, so it's like it's expanding the base that uh, that I think we, uh, we, but as Democrats had lost back in in 2016, and how do you get some of those people back, especially if they're listening tonight, and it just goes on and on. It's like how. Do we make it succinct and clear to say this is why we want to do this type of stuff for, let's say, you know, for insurance and and get the drug prices down and and expand the Medicare? And to me, like I always say, it's good to have the community be insured because, as you know, I'm paying for your insurance, you're paying for Christian's insurance, but everyone collectively paying, it keeps all of our costs down. So I do think it has to go back to the person who fuels that they're going to be positively affected by it. And I said, if your community's healthier, that means there's more people that are going to be able to work and they're not going to be dependent on government handouts and other things. And as a community, we're, we're stronger and healthier. So if, if illegal immigrants are being taken care of, that's less of, of tax bills that we're now paying for the ER to cover these people that need help or any other types of people that need help that aren't insured, by having everyone insured, it helps collectively, just like everyone being able to get a public school education, everyone knowing they can call 911 and the police or, you know, those type of things that we, we hold are, are dear as Americans across the party lines, I think is important just to be able to kind of expand the map and say, how does it affect me as, as selfish as it sounds, to be able to expand that map a little bit to, to people that are listening, um, rather than, oh, you know, you need to expect that you need to help these other people and if you don't want to do it then 
don't complain. I think we, we sadly, we've moved too far down that path now with people that are going to be very self-centered and want to know what's in it for me, which is why they're like, great, we can get free college education. Great, we can get, you know, we can get all these goodies. And that's where Republicans come back with the argument about that and, like, how are we paying for it and everything. So I think we just have to have a better argument as to why we're doing it and how it affects you personally and how that down the line affects everyone else and uh, we were talking earlier about how some of the the line of questioning by the moderators was targeted towards you know one of the front mm-hmm. runners. There was a very specific uh, moment in the conversation that I feel like because it came after a commercial break. I feel like it was uh, partially inspired by the protesters early on who were talking about uh, they were essentially and I did have to look up what they were yeah. saying because I, I you couldn't really hear them but. They were talking. It was in reference to Eric Garner's death. The police officer, I guess his name is uh, Pantaleo, he's still on the force. So the police force in New York. So obviously that's something that you get to throw to De Blasio, and he mm-hmm. was probably like, "Wait a minute, I'm pulling at like one percent. Why is everybody ganging up on me like here in Detroit today?" But it was a very important issue to be brought up. I, I was surprised it came up, and I was like, did it really only come up? Did they only think of it because of that? Or were they ready with that? And I think that he didn't really do a good job uh, uh, handling those questions. I, I, I don't know that he's done a, a good job at all. And so, well, let's talk first about that. Uh, how did you think he handled that? Uh, I'll ask you first, Drexel. Sure. I I think one of the smartest things that Bill de Blasio said was, look, uh, the Justice Department uh, came down on us and said, we cannot do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I think that gave him a little bit of cover. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we do know, (laughs) it's like watching like, you know, like Batman and stuff like that, where you know who has the power in Mm -hmm. a big city, which is the police force, uh, the commissioner and uh, and the police union. And I think that's something that people forget. Mm -hmm. Um, I know here in Los Angeles um, with the uh, with a couple of uh, certain cases uh, involving um, some very uh, wealthy Democratic donors and you know, you know, uh, and, and the deaths of uh, of black men at, at, at their hands as well in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That is certainly something um, that Jackie Lacey, our DA, is having to deal with right now, uh, and and then and that Eric Garcetti is having to deal with. And I think when you get into cases like that, um, you know, it, it's it, the police have a lot more. The police union has a lot more power than I think people uh, give them credit for uh, when it comes to how they interact with the mayor of a big city. And so I think, uh, but but I think in the case of Bill de Blasio, like I said, he was able to buy himself a little bit of cover in terms of throwing it back on the Justice Department. Uh, but I think it's, he's in the same situation that uh, Pete Buttigieg mm-hmm. had in his uh, in yeah, his city true. as well, Absolutely. which was saying, "Look, I did ex- I did everything that I could, and here is the bottom line. I, you know, I don't think these big city mayors are ever going to throw their police forces under the bus because they, they in case they got to go back to their cities, mm-hmm. um, yeah. they're certainly never going to do that and." I, I think it's at the expense of their campaign uh, in, in in that case. So either you're going to go all in or you're not. And I don't think that anybody uh, is ever going to um, uh, uh, say that 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 their police chief should be fired. In this case, Kirsten Gillibrand said, "Yeah, I would have fucking, I would have fired. Mm-hmm. That's all right. I would have fired him." <laughs> and um, yeah. I'm sure she would have said exactly that. But um, she said, "Listen, I would have fired him." But she also doesn't have to answer to a. Well, that, that, that's right. the, that's what I was. It's, mm-hmm. she, it's easy for her yeah. to yeah. say yeah. that she yeah. would have. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that 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 you know her involvement in this was definitely a little like piling on. But I, I yeah. do think it was a good moment for her. What did you think about uh, this whole issue coming? Up, Scott. No, I, I kind of just recapping what you both said. I was surprised it came up. I was glad it came up, but um, pretty much like Drexel said, it, I, I was just thinking of, of of Mayor Pete and what he had, how he had to respond. But with the big city, it is a lot different uh, with with the power of the police. And, and in that sense, I don't want to say a mayor is more of a figurehead. And I don't want to give. De Blasio, you know, too much credit here, but in the sense it it, it is, and I think the Justice Department answer, I, I agree with you when I listened to it, I was like, that was a little bit of a cover. I still thought his answer overall was pretty clunky, um, but I actually thought, besides that issue, he was slightly better tonight than the debates last month, because I felt like the debates last month, he came in like this, this awkward, towering bully 
against everybody that just came across really a New Yorker. Yes, but yeah, the stereotypical <laughs> loud, interrupting no, bully. Just it was it was really bad for him that first uh, debate, and I thought. Now, in this debate, he was a little bit more controlled, and he had slightly better answers, which isn't giving him, again, a lot of credit, especially where he's polling and everything. But I will give him the credit that he does deserve on that. I thought he did better tonight on the debate overall. I think his answer was clunky. Yeah. But it was, it, like you said, it's it's a very difficult question to answer, especially when you have to go back to the city and you have to deal with these people on a day-to-day basis. And I think, honestly, he knows he's not going to be president, nor is he going to make it very far in the the process right now, so he does have to think of the long term game, which is that he has got to go back to New York and attempt to govern in the rest of his second term and deal with these people. So in the police unions and everything yeah. else, and, and answer to them. Um, but hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll be able to to have a better response down the line if right. he gets asked again because it was clunky. And we'll move on from De Blasio in a second. But the uh, the other moment was when he really dug in and like three times tried to get Joe Biden to answer yes. a question, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is good the second time. And mm-hmm. then the third time, it's like, oh, he's not going to answer you. Right. Just like, okay, we get it. We know what you're but trying to do. Joe Biden's like, listen, you're so far down the line. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, I can't I, even I, see I don't you. Even know and what's you're, going and on you're so down. tall and I still can't see you because <laughs> right. you're so far down and I think I think that's what you'll see in, in a lot of the folks' answers. And Kamala Harris did the mm-hmm. same thing on, on health care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She has not been very clear on her position on health care, partly because she she uh, represents a state that overwhelmingly supports Medicare for all mm-hmm. um, with a party in the California Democratic Party that overwhelmingly supports uh, uh, Medicare for all. If Kamala Harris doesn't come out victorious in this, she has to run for re-election, um, obviously, in a few years. Mm-hmm. So she's not going to say anything that could jeopardize her re-election standpoint. Um, so, and I think that, again, going back to a lot of these folks that got to go back home after the fact, um, you know, you know, like Marianne Williamson, she's trying to sell some books. Uh, you know, and Beto's got to go back Beto's to the skate go, park. De- yep. Beto, Beto should be running for United States Senate. Yes, he should. And Steve Bullock should be running for United yes, States Senate. A lot of these folks should be running and for United States Senate. And Hickenlooper should be running Hick for United States Senate. Listen, should be definitely running. So yes. I think that a lot of these folks eventually got to go back home. They're mm-hmm. trying to, to increase a little bit of their street cred right now. Um, it's a waste of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, they're certainly not going to uh, shake the tree too much until right. they get to until they get past Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, and, and then Super Tuesday when we actually will probably find out who's going to be the nominee. Exactly. You don't want to get too too deep in the policy yeah. weeds right now and, yeah. and be stuck with that and have it playing over and over yeah. again. Uh, we'll uh, take a couple extra minutes here because one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, late in the debate was. You know, you feel like obviously this is the Democrats debate, so you're appealing to people who will ultimately vote in Democratic primaries, I think, as a a strategy. I I don't know, excuse me, how each of you feel about this, but uh, it seemed like everybody, well, I don't know, I don't think anybody at least spoke up and said that they didn't support some degree of impeachment hearings or obstruction of justice charges. Uh, Kamal Harris was very strong about it. Uh, Castro got in the nice dig that I think Scott might have enjoyed uh, calling Mitch McConnell Moscow Mitch, <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I kind of was wondering what you thought of the answers just in general and what you think the – because there's there seems to be a pretty clear divide within the party as to what the best strategy is with this. Uh, so, Scott, I'll ask you first. What did you think of the way that these candidates handled it and what do you think ultimately – should be done by the party in terms of uh, impeachment. And for you know fans of the show, we always check on the impeachment clock yes. to see where it is. And it's kind of been stuck it's for been stuck. A, a long while. Now. Yes, the it has been. Clock. Yes. I, I mean, look, it, exactly. It's like the doomsday clock. I mean, the, but there were there's definitely a fissure here in the party on, on what to do. And you heard kind of both sides in, in the debate tonight. And um, some did bring up some good points about, you know, at this point that we've just got to beat Donald Trump and 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 just the timeline and, and, and I've said this on the podcast in the past too is that we're we're we're, we're squeezing up on the timeline here and, and being able to effectively do it however not doing anything and allowing uh allowing it just to go away does play into Donald Trump's hands because it makes it seem like the Democrats are not going to stand up for him and you have a lot of people in the base of the party that are very passionate about the fact that he's done wrongdoing and that at least as a it's it's going to be more of a symbolic thing because we know the Republicans are are not going to do it in the Senate, but at least if if 
the impeachment inquiry can go through and you can at least do it without it being too much of a distraction, it would be helpful not only for the party, but I think just for the public at large, because the the longer that you don't do anything about it, the more you're basically saying, well, then, you know, he, he didn't do anything wrong. And I think that sets a bad example, not only for this particular president, but for future presidents. Um, so, you know, there, there's two sides to it, because some of the, the people tonight had said in the debate, oh, look, if, if um, you know, you, you do it, then you play into his hands of being like, oh, look, you know, they're, they're being distracting and they're just trying to push this agenda without actually governing. But I, I think that the ones that said, look, if you did the impeachment inquiry, you're able to then put it back to Moscow, Mitch, basically, and let him stop there. And now it looks bad that the Republicans didn't do anything about it, because if we don't do anything about it, then it just sits there and it looks like he didn't do anything wrong. So you're, you're going to have him lie in the general campaign anyways, one way or the other. And he's going to say, you know, if we do it, then he's going to come up with lies. If we don't do it, he's going to come up with lies by saying he's exonerated. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but it was a good question that was brought up, but you can definitely clearly see that we're all not on the same page with this at this point. Uh, and sure. Drexel, your thoughts on the same issue? Uh, uh, listen, I think you know, it's what, what Nancy Pelosi has said. Listen, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that – but the other strategy is is that we know that the fall is the time. September, October is the window. There's after that. There's no window. Right. Um, so Democrats have to make a decision. Nancy Pelosi. I don't even know where Chuck Schumer is. I don't even know if he's still in the Senate anymore. I know, right? Um, but it's very tight. I've no, I, I not I mean. seen him. <laughs> I I've not seen him in months. I don't point. know where he is. Um, but I, I also think that um, anything that goes any any impeachment inquiry, any impeachment hearings will be at the detriment of the Democratic nominee. And I think Nancy Pelosi has to has and the House of the House Democrats certainly have to ride the line of not taking the attention away from the Democratic nominee while upholding the Constitution as mm-hmm. the oversight body. And I I think that's a really that that is the line that Nancy Pelosi is trying to ride right now. I'm sure the Democratic candidates uh, are certainly saying, please, if you're going to do it. You better make sure it is airtight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Nancy Pelosi has said. She said, listen, and she said it the other day after the Mueller hearings, which was uh, things are going out through the court right now. I want things to be airtight. I don't mm-hmm. want any daylight. That is what we're going to do. That is the strategy. Because what happens is, is that if we do this, it will it will it will either hurt us uh, um or it will be such a dist- dist- it will hurt us early, or it will be such a distraction that it will hurt us hurt the nominee come uh, June and July of next year. So yeah, it's a it's a very fine line, but it, but we do have to make a decision and and not have this back and forth. Because like you said, once we get into the fall, the time that's why I said the timeline is so tight right now that we've got to start focusing on on the election and and you know and that's where the American people would say he's out. So. Uh, one final thought from the chat. Our Scott Brown uh, says they can walk and chew gum at the same time, but they got to put the gum in their mouth. So oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and thank you for everyone who stayed up late or if you're watching the archive, uh, go ahead and leave your comments afterwards. We'll be back at our regular time next Tuesday at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. But until then, Scott Moore, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter uh, trying to tweet back to Moscow Mitch and <laughs> the orange clown himself at SMAN80 that's SMAN80 and Drexel where do people find you at Drexel Heard and you can find me at Christian DMZ that is all the time we have for tonight but thanks so much everyone we'll see you next Tuesday at 4 Pacific bye our founder Kevin Undergaro and me Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.